Hey. How's it going? It's going well. Oh, good. I was uh, asking everybody. Oh. Everybody, I <laughs> oh, guess. I thought this was just You're a right. conversation between It's not between the best me. entrance. It's not the best way to I. start a conversation. That's right. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is really just you and I sitting down and watching The Sopranos and then talking about it. That's right. So Here I figure that it is you asking me how I was doing. Mm. How are you doing? I'm fine. That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm also doing fine. Good. Good. Um, so we're going to talk about D-Girl. Yeah. What a great episode. That's as usual. You know, I think it might be a good opportunity actually to point out on this one of the writing that exists on this show. There's particularly there's a particularly good source that we've talked a little bit about before, Sopranos Autopsy, but they really do a exceptionally good job writing about or he does an exceptionally mm-hmm. good job writing about this episode. So, yeah, we would definitely recommend we can put a link in yeah, the I'll, episode. I'll do that when I put up the episode. Yeah. It's, I mean, not only in terms of watching this episode, but, like, actually just in terms of, like, looking at life. I think this his write-up on this episode is particularly... Yeah, and for me it also stands out because there's, there's other places that do write about this show, and it's it's a great way to get some ideas about the themes and some perspectives on what what's happening on the show like AV Club or something but this episode in particular really stands out for me just in terms of how much deeper he goes than the other sources Mm -hmm. and so we won't be kind of spending too much time trying to repeat anything that he does but we just you know we're big fans and recommend that you check it out because his writing's great yeah and I wish I were as smart as him so definitely go read that (laughs) (laughs) yeah do that but also listen to this podcast because you know yeah. We think we have listeners out there. Yeah. Um, but this is a this is really a great episode and I think that it starts <laughs> to kind of get into that idea of the big nothing. Yeah. That's kind of one theme that starts to really be introduced. This like yeah, this aspect of existentialism that AJ's kind of struggling with introducing in this episode is kind of really full on attacking like some of these kind of philosophical themes that have been kind of ruminating for the whole show. Yeah, well and they it's come like out... it's the absurdity of life yeah. rather than kind of any kind of logical um progression of things, right? It is kind of it, it deals with the absurd. Yeah. There was one quote actually that I kinda wanted to start with sure. to read. And it's in one of the very few scenes with Melfi in this episode. The only scene with Melfi in this episode. That's right. Yeah. And because we come and talk about this right after seeing the show, required some stopping and starting to get this whole quote because yes, there's so a lot of words. I, but... I know what quote Alex <laughs> But I think it was uh, pretty pivotal. Yeah. And for me, it's something to really think about. And the quote can really apply to almost all episodes of The Soprano. So I did kind of want to talk about it. And the quote is, When some people first realize that they're solely responsible for their decisions, actions, and beliefs, and that death lies at the end of every road, they can be overcome with intense dread. But a dull, aching anger that leads them to conclude that the only absolute truth is death. And then Tony actually responds, I think the kid's onto something Mm -hmm. later in regards to feeling those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for me, that that was kind of a standout. A little bit to think about personal accountability to think about people being solely responsible for their decisions and then realizing that at the end of all that there's this inevitability of death and so what is the purpose of one's life and also to just think about the impact of coping with thinking about your actions and decisions and how it impacts your life and potentially the lives of others around you yeah, I think like you're focusing in on the decisions and actions, but I think a really big part of that is beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe I'll That's talk right. a little bit about religion yeah. at another point in our conversation. But I think like all of those are things that we're ultimately responsible for. We're responsible for choosing those things, but they all do kind of end up in the same place, right? Yeah, like and- that, and and like you know they say like. Um, there's no absolute truth except for death, right? Yeah. That was what Nietzsche did say. Um, 
that, you know, no matter kind of what you choose to believe, no matter what you choose to do, no matter what you decide, yeah. there is this one kind of ultimate thing. And it's kind of like what you do in the meantime. Yeah. And there's a few things in this quote. I mean, that topic of absolutism, that's something that we've talked about. This show deals a lot with ambiguities and, mm-hmm. and characters are out there looking for absolute answers and they don't always exist. Well, the only absolute truth that we have is death. So that's a really interesting thing to think about. It's also interesting because of this responsibility for decisions, actions, yeah. and beliefs. Almost all of our characters don't really take responsibility for those things and don't have the kind of like curiosity to examine why they're doing these things, why they hold these things, or what the impacts are of the decisions, yeah. actions, and well, beliefs maybe, that they're yeah. engaging in are. As the quote says, maybe they don't realize that they're the ones responsible for these things, right? Like, they can, we, you know, we kind of talk about characters, like, placing blame on other people, but it is more likely, actually, that that's truly what they believe. Like, that's truly that they think someone else is responsible for them. It's not like they're actively trying to place blame on other characters. That it is, like, that's their worldview, that's their perception, right? And so it is kind of coming to this understanding that you are the one that is solely responsible for yourself. Yeah. That can be um, confusing or life-altering or, you know, cause you to kind of feel these dark feelings that you didn't have to feel when you were able to put put that onto somebody else, right? You've kind of, like, disengaged yourself from it. Yeah. It's interesting how in the quote, too, they talk about a feeling of being overcome with intense dread. Mm. And so that feeling of intense dread, I feel like that's something that in some ways kind of hangs over this show, Mm. particularly in the final three seasons. Mm. I feel like there's kind of, like, a foreboding sense that kind of, like, pervades, like, many scenes in this show. And you feel like you know, you're in at the end. Like they say in the very first episode, like things are kind of like moving towards the end. And that for me, there is this like movement towards death or something bad Mm -hmm. at at almost all times. You're almost always waiting for something bad to happen. That's right? right. And like, even in our opening scene, right? Like you, the screen is black. You hear these, like they hear this noise. You're kind of unable to identify it at first. Right. You see this car that you don't know who's driving it, and it scrapes against the lawnmower vehicle or whatever, right? right? Like, you're kind of waiting for something. It's this kind of ominous scene, and you're waiting for something bad to happen. But ultimately, it's okay. Like, there's nothing that bad that comes of it. Um, But that happens to us all the time, right? That's kind of that anticlimax or that whatever we want to call it that Chase is always doing. But it is... I think you're right, like, on a whole for the whole series, we're, wait, like, we're always anticipating, like, where's this going to end up? Yeah. Um, and we're not feeling like it's anywhere good. No. No. There was a few things, actually. Well, also, the quote that Meadow has where yeah. um, she's quoting, but she says, in life, one must choose between boredom and suffering. Yeah, that That's was another... so interesting. I wrote that one down. There's a lot of these kind of, like, bleak worldviews that are getting referenced in this episode that I think kind of encapsulate what's how people feel in Soprano World and how the show feels. And yeah, to think about boredom in particular, that's something that a lot of the characters struggle with in this show. This we've you know, this fucking regularness of life, this kind of like mundane existence. And then a lot of characters are suffering too in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that boredom and suffering thing is important. Like, AJ later references, well, in that same conversation, references boredom when he talks about algebra, right? Like, right, that's the and most boring. You know, there there are characters being bored. But in terms of suffering, I think a lot of these characters are suffering, right? We, like, later see AJ with Livia. Yeah. Who, you know, although we can, we don't have to empathize with her for the position that she's in, She's clearly alone. I mean, she doesn't have Junior. Yeah. He's not able to even go see her, right? She's lost her family. We don't see Janice. Like, Janice is now kind of caught up in her Richie love affair, it seems. Like, we don't yeah. see her visiting Livia, right? So she clearly is suffering. And and she says, you know, like, and even just in her worldview. Like well, it's, she says, don't expect, don't expect ha- happiness. happiness. 
Yeah. In the end, you die in your own arms. It's all a big nothing. What makes you think you're so special? Yeah. I mean, that is really kind of a nihilistic worldview. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how her worldview kind of pervades the attitudes and philosophies of other characters because in large part they've been influenced by her as this kind of like matriarch of the family. And so that's kind of like seeped down through the generations. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really crazy. Sorry, I'm like, there's so much I just like struggle to find it. Um, Tony talks about his, talks about Livia also in that session with Melfi, right? Because he's talking about, um, he's talking about how AJ is, you know, like rebelling against the church and stuff like that. And he says, like, do you think my mother and father would have ever allowed this? Mm. Um, and so there is something, you know, him saying, like, his mother's dead to him. But there is something there in terms of, like, being connected to the church or, like, some, like, larger... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like something kind of like a beyond yourself. And I think right. like in this case they are discussing like religion as this part of this being connected or having like, you know, the potential to have a different worldview than this. Right. is tied to that. We don't see Livia like, you know, she sometimes refers to God in in certain ways, but we don't really see her enacting that, but um yeah. I don't know. I'll talk about religion later, maybe. Yeah. It's, but it, I feel like it is part of it. I feel like that it's, I don't think Chase is trying to make any, com well, maybe he's definitely making commentary on it, but I don't think he's like putting them as counterparts by any means, but I think he's kind of examining the way that people's personal worldviews are connected with these other like value laden like religiosity or philosophy or something like that and how it's possible to kind of reconcile those two or are you do you just need to be black and white do you just need to have one right. worldview or the other right um, and I see that come into play a couple of times and it actually like it's indicated by um, they mentioned two time frames during this episode right near the end of the episode they tell AJ to go be a good fucking Catholic, or sorry, a good Catholic for 15 fucking minutes. And then he says to Christopher, like, I'll give you 10 minutes, and if you come back, yeah, then I'll assume that you're, you've left whatever that is that's calling you behind, yeah. right? So it is kind of this, like, black and white kind of view, like, you're either in or you're out. Yeah. You know, like, are you a good Catholic or are you not? Are you in right. the mob or are you not? And there's nothing new with that. I mean, no. Tony's been exhibiting that behavior the whole show. There's actually a really interesting line that he has with Melfi again, where the, Melfi's explaining existentialism, and she says there are no absolute truths. And Tony's kind of incredulous, and he says, and you believe that, mm. which I thought was kind of fascinating. Yeah, well, because you're, you're stating that an absolute truth. You're, you're saying absolutely that there are no absolute truths. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and also, clearly, this show is kind of delving into the world of, no, there are absolutely no absolute truths. Everything is rather ambiguous, and Tony kind of requires that. And he questions Melfi's even description of existentialism, because he can't really cope with that. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and the way that he formulates his decisions and his actions and beliefs, it's it's inherently kind of difficult to make peace with those kind of ambiguities and, and those lack of absolute truths. Mm -hmm. I forgot about why in past viewings of this show mm -hmm. that I start to get like really dark about life. It happens. I think it happens. <laughs> it happens around now. I think it happens around now. Yeah, the big nothing. Um, so I do have some like funny things that happen. There were lots of funny things that happened this episode. So yeah. we'll try be to be careful like, out there if you're watching the show. Lighten it up. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> it really makes you question everything. There's some nice scenes. Pussy talks to AJ about, you know, you have your health and go down and enjoy <laughs> your family while you can. Yeah, it's that's that's nice. uplifting. It's pretty about as uplifting as we've got. Um yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll come back to these ideas kind of as we talk about other things, but I think that quote really does sum up a lot of it for me as well. Um, 
And like I said, like I think like in terms of those three words that she uses, decisions, actions, beliefs, I think all of those come into play here and they're we're able to analyze them for like a number of characters. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I was interested too with um the idea of Meadow talking to Tony about education mm. and saying that this is what education is and that it's not, you know, just on this blind path to making money. It's mm. about questioning things. Mm. You know, Tony had a quote and he, and he was talking about AJ and he said, well, you know, so far having a kid has cost about 150 grand. So if there's no purpose, I want a fucking refund. <laughs> that is a funny line. Which is interesting because that also, that wasn't at the same time in the episode, but it referenced Meadows' statement about like it's not just about going to make money but tony doesn't really think critically in a way where he values education for those aspects of what it is Mm -hmm. so he's still thinking about it strictly transactionally which is very weird about your own kid yeah well he like it's interesting he frames that in terms of like what's the purpose right of life and so like he's given life to this child yeah right like they chose to have this child and so if that child is then questioning their purpose what was tony and carmela's purpose right like it does kind of have a value it's yeah totally well actually then there was another one where um tony goes to meet pussy at the car repair Mm -hmm. shop and actually there's some weird things with like transactionalism too Mm -hmm. because pussy you know is like you know, don't you can't you value things having your kids taught you that? Like, and then he goes and hands them some money and says, "Go get a coke immediately," yeah. which is kind That's of funny. One. But also, Tony starts saying he's like he's mo he's moody, he's questioning life, and Pussy says like father like son. Yeah. And then Tony says like I'm serious and kind of like is like unimpressed and doesn't really interpret that or internalize that. Yeah. So. No, again, like, Tony can't see how his actions and his beliefs and his decisions impact AJ. Yeah. It's, impo- it's impossible for him to see that. Yeah. And if they did, they'd have a lot more than, like, just therapy with Melfi to be doing, right? Right. Like, that's... They they don't take any ownership for that. No. Yeah. I mean, in some way, like, the whole concept, again, I'll probably talk about it later, the whole concept of, like, a confirmation sponsor and mm. having Pussy be the one that's chosen yeah. is really interesting because that is supposed to be this, like person who you can go to for moral counsel right and to like guide you through um moments of questioning religion and things like that like it is supposed to be this person who you can go to for that i don't think that tony's ever been anyone's confirmation sponsor mm. you know right like and yet pussy talks to him about being this stand-up guy and being like a kind yeah, of like that a, scene Oof. yeah like a principled person that he respects yeah yeah. But that's the question, like, what kind of man is Tony, right? We've asked that question before, right? So Tony says, or not Tony, Pussy does say something like, that's the kind of man your father is or something like that. Like, he uses those words. And yeah. so that's what prompted me to write down what kind of man is Tony. He is this man who would go with his friend to visit his sick sister every right. day, right? Yeah. But he's also these other types of man. Yeah. Um. Or is he, or is he no longer that type of man who would go up? Well, that's day? right because AJ says, you know, I hear about all these yeah, great things he, he did that he used yeah. to do, and now he's just a dick. Now he's just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, all the great things he did then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like that Pussy says, like, you know, like about seeing your parents as dictators, right? So that is kind of, again, like going back to that concept of like the people who make decisions for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like a dictator is like dictating what your worldview is, what kind of things you're able to do and not able to Mm -hmm. do. Um, And so it is these moments where we see characters like diverting from the worldview of the Sopranos, the worldview of the mob or the worldview of the Soprano family, that that's when it becomes really problematic for the people who are in charge, right? Who are these dictators, if you want to call them that. Um, That, you know, until like you could go along very well if everyone in your world believes the same things as you and and does the same things as you, right? But when someone kind of challenges that, like AJ does in this episode, Mm -hmm. and you know, like, is a, is the actor who plays AJ, what's his name? Oh, no. I know. 
That's okay. Um, <laughs> but like, is he? Does he like do the best acting job at this part? No. Like, it is a little bit. You know, it's it's a little bit funny sometimes. But he is pushing. Like, he's bringing up these issues that are important to think about. Right. Yeah. He is challenging this dictatorship of being parents of having spent one hundred and fifty grand mm-hmm. on your child. Right. Um, yeah. How do you kind of deal with that? Yeah, and it's interesting to see him kind of getting interested and drawn into philosophy because in some ways that really contradicts the belief system of the Sopranos Mm. because they really don't delve into philosophy, even though this is such like a philosophical world that we're kind of living in while we watch this show. Yeah. Those characters kind of reject it in a way for, for ease, for simplicity. Because it's challenging to them. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how Matt Bompensiero, Pussy's yeah. son. Like, I love that. Yeah. There was a few interesting things there. Yeah. Well, maybe we can talk about that. Um, well, I just want to say, first of all, I love that AJ calls Nietzsche niche. Niche. <laughs> um, I think that's one of the funnier things yeah. in this episode. There's not a, there's not a ton to laugh about, so I'm going to... Well, know. then he references Master P. <laughs> yeah. And then Matt says... You know, you still listen to rap. It's all about marketing now. And then AJ drops his bat. But I thought that that was interesting, too, just in terms of, like, AJ is drawn to philosophy, but there's something about it where he's calling him niche. And he's there's something where he's, he's like, a little bit in over his head. And also that, like, Matt, Pussy's son, is listening to music and engaging with it in a different way and making that assessment of it being about this kind of, like, capitalist marketing transactional sort of thing that there's an irony that that's actually like exactly what you know was being criticized of tony by meadow in terms of their relationship with education and yet that's actually what aj is listening to so it's not kind of seeping into the way that he engages with well and everything matt is super critical of nietzsche of south right he says he has to go listen to uh kierkegaard so he's yeah he's talking on a kind of like a higher plane for sure Kind of, but then Kierkegaard kind of brings us back to these like religious, like religiosity, right? And that's like you know, uh, I don't know. At least personally, for me, mm-hmm. like in my mind, it runs counter to a lot of religious thought. At least like, at least Nietzsche and Sartre do. Like you know, yeah. Kierkegaard falls more into that line of like having God and. Right. Um, I don't know. So it kind of like, in some ways, although I felt like I was happy to meet Pussy's son, um, I don't know if that was the best advice. It was kind of drawing AJ back into this world that is comfortable and not really challenging him to continue to search outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what are some of your thoughts on the religion aspects of this episode? Oh, man. It's a lot. It's so hard to do this. And I was like, it's hard. Like, I found this episode so challenging just because, like, there were so many moments where, like, I felt like I needed to process what was going Mm. on. And, like, if we were going to do that, we'd be stopping the episode all the time. And so we can't watch it that way. But even now, I feel like I haven't really, like, solidified my thoughts. But maybe I'll just, like, point out some of the things I wrote down and see if I can make sense of it. Um, I think the one thing that comes up in this episode that's come up before... Um, is kind of the um, how some of like the religious answers to things are really silly. So we see that with Father Phil and mm-hmm. Carmela in college, right? That's probably like yeah. one of the most key episodes where we deal with religion before this. But like when AJ's having this conversation, Meadows there, Tony and Carmela are there, and he's like, "But really, like, why, um, like, why am I here, right? Or, or no, why was I born?" Right. Right? Because Adam and Eve. <laughs> yeah. And that's just such like a stupid answer, right? And mm-hmm. I get, I like, I totally appreciate that that's like some Well, it's an absolute truth. <laughs> right? For some people, absolutely. No, but it, but it is. Absolutely. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's lacking the nuance that, you know, a question like that could bring about. Because yeah. it, it could be a very ambiguous answer. It could be shrouded in, well, we have, like, these possible answers and it's complicated and, you know, we do our best to explain it. But there's still ambiguity involved. Whereas if you're seeking an absolute truth and there's comfort from that, then you can answer that very quickly and very concretely with an answer like it's Adam and Eve. But that also mm-hmm. reflects, like, 
that lack of kind of like curiosity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, we see that throughout this show, but I think like what AJ is searching for is something deeper than that, right? And I don't blame him. Right. Just like a personal story, right? Like when I was in eighth grade and my family's Catholic, um, I did not want to get confirmed. Mm-hmm. So that was something I was really struggling with at that time. I think that's like a really normal mm-hmm. teenage struggle, right? Right. Alex had a band called The Nihilists. Wow. So... Yeah, that's why I like this show. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But I was just kind of not wanting to get confirmed. Right. I didn't believe in anything. <laughs> Alex didn't believe in anything. I was really grappling with that, and I continue definitely to like grapple with these big questions, which, again, is why I love this show. But um, And I said that to my parents. I said, I don't think I want to get confirmed Mm -hmm. and it was a dictatorship and that's why like i think this like it was like no you're getting confirmed that was the same with aj right it was like i forget exactly what it is they said but it's like i I forget what they Mm -hmm. said but it was like you're getting confirmed and that's that's that like there's no options here you know um and he's he's seeking something deeper than that and in some ways, like, I'm glad, you know, like, Pussy was his sponsor. Because I think, like, at least Pussy has some kind of level of, I mean, because he's going through his own shit, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, like, he at least has some capacity to understand these dualities or kind of, like, struggling with two polar kind of ideas or draws, right? That he can understand that. And he does talk to, he says that to Tony, like, it's normal at this age or whatever he yeah. says, you know? Um, we see people like Christopher even grappling with it, right? Like Christopher's like, well, I don't want the church to fall down on everybody or something like that. Like he doesn't want the church with all his sins. He doesn't right. want the church caving in. Yeah. So he's trying to, you know, and that see, like, so that's the thing. Like Christopher can understand or like Christopher's not that he's grappling with it, but Christopher is acknowledging that there's some kind of disjointedness between that right so like he's saying like i've i have all these sins and so how could i go to church right um it's not black and white right but for characters like tony and carmela they're not even really thinking about that they're mm-hmm. and even in like in carmela's and tony's interactions with father Phil, yeah. for example right like they can still see themselves as good Catholics for more than 15 fucking minutes, right? They see themselves as this. Right. And it's like without acknowledging this other side of themselves. Right. Right? Or like you're keeping those two things separate, which I think is hypocritical. And that's a lot of the big reason why I don't like religion. Yeah. um, Is that kind of hypocrisy. But you can see this kind of like younger generation is dealing more with those things. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, there's, there's something with this episode that always really kind of hits me on like a personal level. Right. And I think it, it is like reminiscent of that kind of level of hypocrisy. Like, wh- like why should I follow what you are doing um, or what you say is the good thing to do? Right. Um, or what God says is the good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, is this really answering some of the bigger questions that are out there mm-hmm. or are we just kind of like, choosing to believe that because it's comfortable. I think that goes back to like, we're responsible for our beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. Like what's the implication of choosing to believe that on the rest of who you are as a person or the rest right. of your character? Does that make sense? That, I, don't, yeah, I, makes I feel sense, like yeah. I'm talking around in a circle. But, no. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, the other part, the other thing I thought was an interesting line was when he is talking to Matt Bompensiero. Mm-hmm. And, well, I guess it's Pussy that's talking to him, but Matt's hitting baseballs. And Pussy's like, well, it's part of your tradition, mm-hmm. right? And AJ says, baseball's not part of my tradition. Yeah. Um, but, and so I liked that, like, like that getting confirmed is part of this tradition, this part of this lineage um, of being, I mean, being Italian, I think, yeah. is a part of that, but, like, being Catholic, regardless of your heritage. But I like that Chase... I mean, I'm just going to put it on Chase. The writers and whoever was involved in this also, like, incorporates baseball. Like, there is this, like, American tradition, too, that's pulled in there. So, like, what does it mean to be American? What does it mean to have these, like, 
core values, whatever those mean. Again, it kind of, it ties back into like what are absolute truths or what are our societal values. Yeah. Do those even really exist? Yeah. But I, I liked that line, like it's part of your tradition. Baseball's not part of my tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I'll still like grapple with this. I don't I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting part of this episode in in particular. Yeah. Um, I was really interested, too, in, like, Chris's trajectory throughout this episode. Yeah. And his interactions with Amy. I thought that that was really interesting. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so right, right at the very beginning, I just thought it was interesting how they kind of, like, very efficiently kind of show some rifts between him and Adriana mm. with, like, her comments about Vince Vaughn and <laughs> him clearly being kind of, like, a little bit unhappy with that. But then... Yeah, again, just like so efficient in terms of the way they write things. So she, her saying when she's asked what she does, I'm in the food service industry. And then there's actually like laughing yeah. right after, which is kind of like demeaning. So we can see that she's kind of struggling with her identity. Yeah. And that's something that's happened before, you know, with in the she first season trying to go producer. into the music industry. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Christopher goes over and intimidates those guys who leave. Um one thing that I thought was interesting there, too, and this is all just kind of like setting up the drama that unfolds largely around Christopher in this episode. But then when they're talking about the screenplay and Adriana kept the yeah. screenplay and she says, I believe in you. Yeah. Which is interesting in ter- thinking of her as just like actually like a supporting character for Christopher and then seeing him fuck around on that for the rest of the episode. Uh, but Yeah. But then there's also, like, when she says, I believe in you, then there's also, like, a very interesting edit. It's a very, like, soft edit that kind of, like, mm. immediately brings us back to the Soprano house. Mm. And so I was thinking, like, I believe in you. It was almost like, it's almost like kind of fantasy. Well, it's almost, re- it's religion, almost, like, having belief in something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's like this, like, unquestioning belief, right? That's what right. religion is. That's what it made me think of. Right. Interesting. And it kind of requires that because, I mean, at the end of the day, it does not seem like Christopher is a particularly talented writer. It seems like he doesn't really have the skills to even begin thinking about a career in screenwriting. Yeah. But, you know, she does have this belief in him. But there was this, like, there was something about the edit that seemed very deliberate to me that made it seem even more like fantasy. Mm-hmm. Then it comes it across was. It to, was this like, kind us. of like slow fade. And the fact edit. that it goes to the Sopranos house, it seems like there's just like a draw always to for him to end up back there. Mm. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. No, you know, I with him so contemplating right. on the on the stairs and then walking back in. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like I be- I believe Adriana when she says that. I believe kind of like she believed in her what was their name? The name of her band. <laughs> Defiler? Defiler. <laughs> oh, Defiler, of course. <laughs> um, like, she does really have this, like, belief in people. Like, she, I think she sees the good in people. Yeah. And whether or not those people can act on it, like, she, there's, there's obviously something in Christopher. He does, yeah. like, he actually does have some skills. We don't get right. to see them. But, like, she's able to see them. And she does believe in him. Right. There's other reasons why he's not able to, like, go through with those yeah. things, you know? Totally. Um, there, and I feel yeah. for her in this episode. No. I feel for yeah. her all the time. Yeah. Well, in but. this episode, she has a particularly rough time. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting just in terms of the way they portray the film industry. Mm. There's something, like, a little bit pretentious about it. Totally I mean, not, e- not even a little bit. Like, like very, actually. Yeah. Like, the way um, that... Uh, I was just going to say well, Amy, obviously, and then I was going to say uh, John Lovett, but we're not talking about uh, oh. John Favreau, <laughs> which is confusing because there's multiple John Favreaus, and I'm just yeah. mixing things very, very all over Did the place. Did you listen to Pod Save America? Check it out. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get confused right now, you can follow down these rabbit holes. Yeah. But anyway, with John Favreau, the movie director, not the... Podcaster. Podcaster. <laughs> um, the way, yeah, the way that they talk is interesting, and there was a couple scenes that kind of made me think about that. For instance, when they, uh, Janine 
Garofalo is in that final scene, and then Amy says, the silencers underscore their voiceless place in society. I love Which that. just seems so precious and so trite and makes me, again, think about this insane over-analysis. I'm like, what, what are we doing sometimes? Because they seem to be kind of, like, making fun of it in a way. It just seems like what a kind of, like, obvious and unsophisticated kind of, like, way to draw a metaphor from something. Well, and it seems yeah. besides the point, really, or forced. Yeah, well, Chase and the writers are obviously playing with that, right? Like, I love the line well, where they're talking about where Chris and, and John Favreau are in the hotel room, and they're talking about swingers. Yeah. And he says something like, uh, what was the movie he was comparing it to, though? Um, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan and Tom Hanks. And then he's like, you know who was great? Hanks, Saving Private Ryan. And he was like, well, that movie was about, like, guys dying on D-Day. Like, yeah, young and, men. And Swingers was about a bunch of dudes trying to get BJs in Vegas. Like, and that's a real movie that John Favreau made, right? It is right. this kind of, like, div- like, whatever the word I'm looking for, like, between reality and fiction. This yeah. is, like, a real thing that's happening in this fictional show. Yeah. But I love, I, I'm just, like, imagining the conversation where Chase calls up John Favreau and is like we want to have you in our sh- in the Sopranos yeah um, we're gonna make fun of your movie <laughs> like we're gonna really make fun of swingers yeah because when you say it that way like it is a really ridiculous right concept for yeah. a show no or a totally movie, rather yeah absolutely um, but yeah like it does come across as pretentious I think well the, and also the like, Amy the Amy character yeah I didn't hate her as much as I hated mm, her this time. Interesting. I've never hated her so much. Well, there's something kind of like at its core like manipulative of Christopher from both her and and John like yeah. in terms of stealing that story and also like when Amy was saying near the end like this is so absurd of you to get this bent out of shape regarding that story. Yeah. Like just like that lack of awareness that this is actually dangerous for yeah, Christopher and they're just using him. him. Yeah, it's not fiction for him. It's not movie yeah. for him. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, like that that lack of self awareness that they have to think that this could be impacting him in his life, mm-hmm. and then to have the um, the arrogance to feel like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was interesting too, actually, that scene that I was talking about with um, the silencers mm-hmm. and underscoring their useless place in society. Voiceless. The, uh, voiceless. Their place. voiceless place in society. <laughs> I thought it was ironic too because in that scene they also have like oranges spilled everywhere, which we've talked about. It's like this. Ford Coppola, Godfather, signifier of death. And then Janine Garofalo talks about, I never had an egg cream, which we've also been talking about eggs as the Sopranos oh, kind of symbol of whoa. death. Also, they talk about, she's I never went to that place on St. Mark's, which, gem spa. Yeah. <laughs> Great egg creams. We, we know another good egg cream place, though. Also, Ray's Candy Store yeah. on uh, Avenue A, highly recommended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny, you just said that about the oranges, though. I just circled... My notes. So our our notes, I'd like to, I wish I could (laughs) share them all with you. My note just says all the oranges. That's all my note says, but I just circled it. Um, That scene was great. I mean, I love Janine Graffalo. Right. Um, And it is like, it's funny how like they see him, they see Christopher at first as kind of this useless dude, right? Yeah. um, Amy has to mouth that he's the one from Jersey, right? Yeah. John Favreau. And then they kind of like smile. At right. Each well, other John awkwardly. thinks that he's from LA Magazine to ask him yeah. where he likes to have breakfast. His best breakfast <laughs> spots. Um, but then he like does contribute this one kind of uh, verisimilitude kind of thing, right? Like that, like someone from Brooklyn would say Bukak. Right. Um, Bukyak or however you right. say it. And so then they all of a sudden, like, John Favreau's putting the earphones on Christopher and, like, letting him watch, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, this person's useful for me. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and I think throughout the relationship between, like, this very short relationship between Amy and Christopher, mm-hmm. that is her whole modus operandi or whatever you want to call it. Like, when is someone useful for you and when are they not? Yeah. Um, I think actually, like, the sex scene between the two of them was really interesting. It was interesting, and I, yeah, because she kind of fully takes control. She's, like, in such a powerful position. Mm-hmm. And, like, we haven't really seen Chris and Adriana sex scenes, no. really. Um, I mean, we see her, like, you know, in her underwear and stuff like that. But um, we don't imagine that, or at least I, I mean, I'm spending a lot of my time imagining <laughs> this, clearly. But, like, I don't, it, you know... 
the characters don't lead you to believe that that would be the same as dynamic. What, dynamic. Yeah. As what and in terms of like with. thinking about control and power structures, most of the time the mob characters are in the position of mm-hmm. control. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, that was that was that was interesting. Yeah, and you get the sense, and I feel, I mean, I feel for Christopher in this one too, even though he's being a, a huge piece of shit to Adriana. Sure like is. he. He whatever I forget what he exactly says, but he's like I really liked you. Yeah. To her, um, and she never really had that. Like that was no. never really her Amy's goal. I think the way that Christopher is treated in this episode, which is ironic, because he's treating people so badly, mm-hmm. leads him to where he is in the end of the episode, mm-hmm. which kind of like changes his arc too. Like I think mm-hmm. something changes with him in terms of him accepting who he is. Yeah. And. There's there's two interesting shots near the end where he's with Amy. Amy's looking way down on him. We have like a super yeah. high camera angle. She's up making, like six stairs. Yeah, yeah, making Christopher look, you know, super diminished. And then we have another shot with Tony looking down on him. Again, he's looking super diminished. So it's like kind of back to back. He's just kind of getting like belittled, kind of beat down. And then there's a shot of him like alone in the hallway. Mm. And that made me think about Livia's conversation talking about dying alone. Mm. And that's all you have. And then when Christopher goes outside and he's sitting on the steps, we get one of those classic soprano shots where it spins around him. him, Spins around his face. And we see like another side of his face. And as he makes this decision, then he goes back inside. Wow. And Michael Imperioli's face is just so like it's when he has those kind of I can't even really describe it. Like something about his eyes sometimes where like. You just get so much emoting from yeah. his eyes. I mean, he's incredible. Yeah. But there is in that scene, like, you can almost, like, see inside of his thought process. And you can see, like, what he must be grappling with in yeah. those moments. Um, and, again, it, it brought me back to some of the questions that we've brought up in past conversations where it's, like, is it possible to escape, right? Like, right. It's, I mean, like, I when Tony said, like, if you're not here, like... I'm done with you, yeah. basically. Like I'm gonna I don't assume, ever want to see you again. I don't ever want to see you again. Like, was that a real possibility for him? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and that's for me why earlier it seemed like fantasy when mm-hmm. Adriana was believing in him. Mm-hmm. You know, every road was going to draw him back to the Soprano house. Mm-hmm. Into that world. Yeah. We have that, like, prior to that last scene, which I, I do think those are amazing shots. I mean, they're just, and then, like, the door closing when he goes back in and the cut to black. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we have that dinner with Tony and Carmela and Adriana, right? And he comes from, uh, I don't know where he's coming from. He's coming from oh the office. Oh, he's coming from... Well, I think he was just with Amy. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, it's like earlier on, he wasn't coming from their kind of like final staircase scene. No. But, um, um, they're talking she, about food. She brings, I mean, when she's you're married, the one. you'll know the value of fresh of produce. Fresh produce. That was a funny line. <laughs> um, but he, I, I liked that he was really upset by them talking about food. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think in this show, like, food is kind of part of religion, right? And we talked about that in college, particularly. Like, there is this, like, link between, like, n- I don't know, like, nourishing one's self and nourishing one's soul or, like, the consumption mm. that's kind of required Yeah. Um, in those. And, like, the even just, like, if you want to go a little bit deeper, like, the... Um, what do they call it? Now I'm being a bad Catholic, but um, <laughs> don't look at me. I can't. Tra- help you. I know. Well, that's, I'm not looking at you. Trust me. <laughs> the, it's trans something. It's like the fact that like Jesus's body and blood is mm-hmm. represented by bread and wine. Mm. Something about Tran- trans communion. Okay. Something. <laughs> okay. Something like that. Um, there is this like I don't know. For me, like it, the food thing is really linked with religion Mm. in this show um interesting and it is like it's this um yeah it's about like kind of this all-in belief system yeah and like you're consuming this information or this um yeah yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. I'm still grappling with that one, but there was something about the fact that he was like really upset about the food there mm-hmm. that linked me back into this kind of um, critique, if you want to, of religion versus other philosophies. Right. 
Interesting. I don't know why you care about fresh produce when you're married, though. I don't know why that would change. I don't know why you would start to care about fresh produce after getting married. I, I don't know. I mean, if you didn't already care about fresh produce, it's probably not going to change. If you did care, you'll probably continue to care. Maybe you'll stop caring. I don't think, I don't think marriage would change that. <laughs> Do you have some other thoughts? Um, well, the other part was a couple little things. Mm-hmm. Um, that story of John Gallo. John Gallo? Oh, maybe, yeah. Gallo. The yeah. one who John Favreau wants yeah. to make this movie yeah. about, right? It's interesting, like, in terms of, like, we were talking about the film world or whatever. Mm-hmm. And how it is this kind of, I don't know, um, commercialized or fake kind of world. Um, the story that, what Chris says is, like, they're, like, talking about this. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I want you to, like, you know, give give us feedback on how people say things blah 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 and chris is like well i was only like three years old yeah when he was around right yeah when he um, got clipped when he got so clipped. i mean really wasn't around yeah um and so i think that is it kind of does go back to that like golden age of the mob mm. right and like is anyone really interested in the mob now interesting except for the sopranos Do you know what i mean like are yeah. there other modern mob movies or tv shows right no. Yeah. I don't think so. You know, there there was a reference to the Godfather, like when they were talking in that pizza restaurant. They were like GF one or whatever, right. like, yeah. <laughs> which is a funny way to refer to the Godfather. But yeah, um, they were talking about like the the media the movie guy in Godfather. Johnny 1. Fontaine yeah. coming instead of the Tommy Dorsey. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So wasn't. so for me that kind of stood out. Um, I'm just gonna kind of read out some of mine. Um. I'll let you talk about Chris and Adriana wearing really colorful nope. clothing. No, I'm I'm going on sabbatical oh, okay. for color sabbatical. Okay. <laughs> um, let me see. Oh, that pussy's house is by a cemetery again. That kind of right. did like pretty foreboding. Oh, it was. I mean, I wonder like was his house always right by the cemetery? I don't think we've seen like that shot of like yeah. him on his porch and. But seeing it was behind. definitely like we're talking about like AJ's talking about these concepts of like life and death, yeah. right? And even that quote, you know, like that, you know, I can turn your page over. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, the only ab- they conclude that the only absolute is death, right? Yeah. We have this like foreboding symbol of death there, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I had Livia, the safety belts, her story. Yeah. Her imparting wisdom on AJ, you know, him saying that he was coming to her because she was older and wiser, and then her telling him basically not to wear seatbelts. Yeah, I love that too. Was uh, was indicative of how toxic she is as an influence. Yeah. You know, she has so little screen time in this episode, and yet the information that she manages to give off is pretty profound about a philosophy wow. of a big nothing and don't wear your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love how we go to that scene also from the sex scene between Christopher and Amy. Mm. Like we see them in kind of some sheets, but mm-hmm. then the sheets are then Livia's sheets. It's yeah. A, it's a cool transition. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I had was that. Um, uh, that's, oh, yeah. Uh, was that story that then got translated into the movie. I just wanted to talk about the story of Joey Gamble, Gambolini. Mm. Right. I was worried at first. I forgot, like, who that story was about. And Chris kept being a little bit, like... Right. Um, like, he wasn't saying the name, right? He was, like, yeah. a made guy, a friend of mine, a made yeah. guy. Do we know Joey Gambolini? Not that I could think of. Okay, me neither. But I'm going to pay attention to that. Seems like it was an old story, right? Seemed like so. it. But Chris, is, he did say, like, a friend I mean, it of happened mine. 15 years ago. That's true. Right? Yeah. So. Um, but that's a pretty... That's a, like... I was trying to figure out the purpose of us seeing that woman, mm-hmm. um, like what that kind of means for Christopher's character. I don't know. I was I was grappling with that. I don't know if you had any thoughts on it, or if it was just to like see how Hollywood like, as, like if it uses. was a device. Yeah, like I don't think it was just to see how Hollywood is like Usarius and was going to steal that story because then they wouldn't have shown us her. Well, I mean, it, it shows kind of like some of the like machismo that exists in the mob. I mean, the fact that yeah. somebody would 
respond to an event like that with throwing acid on somebody mm-hmm. is, I mean, pretty insane, insanely reactionary and pretty, like, aggressive and violent mm-hmm. and ruining somebody's life for something that they have no control over mm-hmm. also. Um, yeah, and just to see that, like, here's, you know, just like there's these, like, ghosts who are, like, kind of drifting around New yeah. Jersey who have been impacted, impacted by the actions and beliefs and the other one from the quote of the new of the New Jersey mob decisions and decisions of the New Jersey mob. Yeah. Yeah. One other scene that I was I, I thought was really cool was just before the confirmation. There's a very quick scene with Skip and Pussy and they're telling him you need to wear the wire. Yeah. But the, just the way they do it, it's so tense. Yeah. The helicopters, the noise that's existing, that's happening there. Like, we're really building tension. I feel like we're actually, like, progressing through the season, and we can tell that we're moving to some sort of climax. (laughs) Just because, I mean, yeah, like, that scene, again, so efficient, so short, but, like, the tension of the sound effects that they have and the environment that they're in, and then, obviously, the drama of what's unfolding specifically. Yeah, well, and that scene when he is, like, trying to put his wire on in his bathroom, right? Yeah, it's a lot. That's a really, I forgot about that scene until seeing it tonight. Yeah. Um, but wow, that's that was a, like he was like I'm gonna kill you. Like that's yeah. the tension that it's led him yeah. to, right? Like he can't. He's struggling to exist, you know, without this black and white. Like he's just in the middle. Yeah. Right. He's looking to be one or the other, and he can't be. Right? Yeah. And he has to be both, and that's yeah. a very uncomfortable position to yeah. be in. And so it comes out on his family. I love that we hear like, and I that is one scene I did remember is like I love that we hear. Um, his little like pep talk with AJ through the van. Yeah, you know through the. Through yeah, the I think wire. that's a key scene. You know, it's like it injects some humanity into the show. Like these characters are principled, and I think they do realize what's important to, yeah. to at yeah. s- at some level. Yeah. And you know those scenes, like the confirmation or the end of the first season, where they're eating at Vesuvio's with the family. Like, yeah, those are the rare scenes in this show where you feel like there is a sense of purpose to it so there's this nihilist kind of worldview but at the same time you have these moments where people come together and you feel like it is purposeful and it is meaningful yeah well i love how it's also like not the big moments you know like we don't actually see the confirmation no right like we just see like aj smoking in the garage with his friends afterwards like this party um you know, again, like I was talking about earlier with, like, the car crash in yeah. the beginning. Like, you think something bad's going to happen. It's, it's kind of like a, it's all or nothing yeah. in some ways. But in those moments are also moments that, like, connection and yeah. these, like, real-life moments yeah. can happen. So. Yeah. Well, I love this episode. Me too. Although I am starting to feel really dark. <laughs> <laughs> starting to get messed up. Yep. Now it begins. That's great. Well, uh, we have another 70 episodes. <laughs> yes. We don't have A little bit many. less than 70, actually. We don't have actually. 70, but yeah. There's a long... 61. I there's think. a long, slow descent to misery of yeah. your arc that, that <laughs> you right. get to look forward to. You can also to. track our relationship and our marriage over this time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully we'll still be together <laughs> by the end of the show. We will be. Yeah, well, you'll know. if Maybe you'll be listening to this two years from now. I think we're, things look pretty good, but it's a pretty dark show. Well, it's, I mean, it's again, all a big like, nothing. It is, we've watched this show together before, right? Yeah, we made it through. And, no, but it is interesting. Like, our responses, I think, are different every time. Totally. And the things that, like, impact you greatly are different every time. So yeah. it's, always, it's always an adventure. Yeah. So let us know your thoughts. If you have any, you can email us. Someone should email us. Yeah, please. We'd love it. Or say something shitty. No, don't do that. Well, yeah, yeah. E- email. Yeah, you can email us, whatever you want. I'll read the email. Okay, yeah. Okay. She's stronger than I am. Okay. Um, <laughs> and yeah, see you next episode. Full right. leather jacket, like I said last time. That's right. Yeah. Thanks okay. so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. That's, oh, weird. that's, that's weird. weird. That's Are weird. Are you on the phone?